Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right. Hey, team, welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. This is Mark, and I have got a great guest on here today. I'm super excited for you guys to get to know Galen Beer. Galen, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Mark. It's uh, exciting to be on here with you and uh, talk a little bit about leadership. Awesome. Let's talk leadership. What uh, what does it mean for you, Galen, to be intentional? Uh, For me, being intentional always starts with having a good vision for where you're going. I I don't know how I would be intentional without kind of know what my overall arching objective is. So I I think you have to know where you're going and then that kind of dictates, you know, what you're going to accomplish on a daily basis in order to achieve that. And, you know, for me, it's really a, a way out there type thing. Like I have a vision for how I would want business to be conducted or where we'd like our business to go. It's way out there. And even though that might be way off in the future, you're still doing those daily things that will step you toward that. So that that intentional part is making sure you get up every day and think about what do I have to do to achieve that vision? How, how important are those those little things on a day-to-day basis as it pertains to the big picture, obviously, if, if we don't take action on a day-to-day basis, if we don't execute against the vision, the intention, where we're going, obviously nothing happens. I get that. I just feel like there's a there's a greater level of depth for you within that those little day-to-day things. I, I think the day-to-day things are important. I, I don't know if everything you do really moves you closer to that vision, but the, the piece that's important is if you're going to achieve that, there has to be some level of discipline. And so that's where achieving those little things every day comes in is because you want to have that discipline to take each step that it's going to take you to get towards that vision, whatever that is, whether it's helping someone on your team get closer to that, but you can't wake up and ignore it completely, in my opinion. The word discipline, the word nobody likes to hear because we were all shamed with it as children. (laughs) <laughs> right? And, and, and today it seems like a bad word, even yeah. though as I live in this world of personal and professional development, and I interview people such as yourself that have had a good deal of success and, and good long careers, what I'm finding is it all boils down to, do I have the discipline to do the things that I don't feel like doing in order to live my intentional life? Yeah, it, it definitely does. Yeah, to your point, I remember discipline being that bad word when you were at church and you did something wrong mm-hmm. or something, yeah. you know, you but but it it is different. I and I think discipline to me is about really having that internal motivation to get up and to kind of stick to a plan. Mm-hmm. I, we have to reframe that as the thing that we get to do as opposed to the thing that we have to do. 
A absolutely, you're right. Uh, you know, you it is the thing that you get to do every day, and you even um, even if you think of discipline in sort of a negative com connotation, your point is not. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of security and a lot of reward that comes from that discipline. So yeah, some of the things you do might have a little pain associated with them, but the ultimate reward outweighs that. Mm -hmm. I was just talking with somebody about this the other day, it may have been on the podcast. We were talking about the discipline to experience delayed gratification. Yeah especially in today's world where everything is there. I mean, it's the, the, the friction has been removed from the buying process for most of the things that we get. We can order from Costco. We can order from Amazon, have it delivered. I live 15 miles from any town, but I can have stuff here in three, less than three hours. All my groceries can be here in time for supper as we record this podcast, right? So we live in that world and people have a really tough time with experiencing delayed gratification. It is. I And I think... I think it's hard to lead if you don't have that ability to accept delayed gratification. I, th I think, I think if you're going to live day to day, that you're not going to set the right tone for any team. Mm -hmm. That that's a really important point. I would love people to just hit, hit reverse 15 seconds, two times on your Spotify app really quick <laughs> and, and go back and listen to that again from a, from an intentional leadership standpoint, it become I have to be comfortable in the discomfort of the waiting. Yeah, and, and the waiting is hard. I mean, you 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 see it out there on the horizon, but but when it all comes together and you've done what you wanted to get done, it does make it worth it. But I think, you know, our society has grown a little bit impatient towards that, and I think that's why not everyone will be a leader. It depends on kind of what your motivations are. That's true. And I and I think a little bit impatient is a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right, let's it, talk. it could be more than that, but yes, I'm understating it a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've all grown impatient in a world where everything is so easy to get to. We just want to get there faster. Nothing can happen fast enough for us. And that's true for a lot of people coming into companies too. Let's talk a little bit about talent retention and things like that, because a lot of companies in agribusiness really struggle to attract and retain good talent. So let's talk, how do we apply intentional leadership to retention and attraction of good people? I, well, that that is difficult. I mean, if it were easy, everyone would just be hiring and you would never see anyone leave your organization. So no one's going to get it perfect. But I think I think the things you have to look for um, and you hope you can vet out in an interview process are people with sort of a shared vision that that view what you do as more than a job, because I think if someone is just coming to work for you, because they liked the pay scale that was listed on the on the job application that they 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 might not be in it for the long haul that's a you know to our point earlier that's a short term gratification so we really like for us we like to hire people that are almost looking at what we do as a career we're we're in there to provide value to our customers and they want to do that over the long haul to the point that it's not, did I get a $20,000 raise this year? It's, did I get a raise and do I get to keep doing what I love? You know, is kind of how I look at that. It's hard, but I, I think that's what you kind of have to look for to maintain and, and keep your talent. 
so again, we're, 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 we're moving towards that long-term vision, that long-term intention, which I think is really important. Uh, what have you found over the course of your career that's important about long-term vision within the culture? Yeah, with, within the culture, I, you know, there's, um, it's interesting that you mentioned culture because I was, I was just reading a book here a while back and there was a statement in there that really caught my attention and it was, uh, culture has to be caught. It can't be taught. And I had never really thought about that. I think everyone wants to teach people what their culture is, but I think what that said to me was long-term vision might set the tone for your culture because at the end of the day, if employees have to catch your culture, that means you as a leader have to be modeling that every day. And when they see you doing the things that it takes to achieve the vision of uh, the company, whatever that is, it becomes sort of infectious. And next thing you know, you've created a culture just through your behaviors. Now, I know there are companies that have various, you know, insert company name and university where they do teach their culture. But to me, it doesn't stick if it's not modeled or demonstrated through leadership. I really like how you're framing this up. You may be the first one in 20 some episodes of this that I've recorded so far that actually framed it up this way. So thank you. And what I'm, where I, what I'm, and I'm trying to justify what I just said. So you said culture can't be caught. Uh, culture has to be caught. It can't be taught. Yeah. Right. And this is what we see. And this is what I see a lot of leaders doing is they're trying to teach, right? So here's the mission statement. Here's the vision statement. Here's what we do. Here's what we don't do. And, and then it's all intellectual. It's all logical. Yeah. It all makes sense. Do I see my leader? Do I see my, my CEO and my vice president and my team leader living that out in a day-to-day function? That's intention if I see them doing it. Absolutely. In, excuse me. I would say that's intentional if I see them doing yep. it. Well-intended if I see them say it, but yep. maybe not well-executed upon. It, it's definitely a do as I do world when it comes to leadership. And, you know, words on a paper just become words on a paper. In fact, I think it undermines your culture and your vision if you write down what you think your culture is, but you don't live that culture. I I, I think it actually becomes counterproductive at that point. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And I think hopefully that's fascinating to anybody that's watching or listening to this right now. So, the, the the flip side of that I want to just touch on real quick, Galen, is what if you're what if you as the leader are doing some things that you don't want to see your people doing? And what if some of the stuff is and I've I've heard this so many times over the years uh, about people maybe not willing to work as long as I am. They're not willing to grind as hard as I grind. And and I don't know that I should, right? Should anybody have to grind as hard as you're grinding if you're the top guy or gal in the company? I but that becomes the sort of unwritten expectation. And so when I see people operating like that, then, and I have emails flying into my inbox at all hours of the night, then it feels like, well, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not living up to the culture. Right. I I think again, how, how the expectation you set is a big part of that. I, for me, it's about productivity. So 
I mean, if it, it, you know, if in my job, if my responsibilities require me to work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, whatever it is, if I'm burning the midnight oil, I hope that anyone that works for me doesn't think that's required of them. We, we all have different responsibilities and different expectations. I always view people on, on their productivity. And some people are very productive. I mean, some people can get done in six hours what it takes another person to get done in 12 hours. And if they have acquired the intellectual capital and uh, have the focus to be hyper productive, I, they shouldn't plan to work to, like that should their investment in acquiring that intellectual uh, capital should be rewarded in that they may not have to work as many hours to get the same thing done. 100% agree. Look at that. There's so many ways that if you if you're really being intentional that you can just understand <laughs> as we look at different people and different capacities based on their intellectual property, intellectual experience, capital, whatever you want to call it, they may have a different experience than maybe somebody who's newer or more fresh in the company. If I've got to create something in Excel, I'm I'm going to burn the midnight oil. It's not that I can't do it. I don't do it enough that it takes me a long time. Someone else may do that every day and they can do it in a few hours. And uh, that's fantastic. Again, it's you're not paying for someone for the hours they put into the job, you're paying them for what they produce and how they move you closer to your vision. Yeah, it's a, it's a great catch. So it's it's super interesting. And one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast that have been pretty, that we've been producing all these episodes for this podcast is to help people tune into maybe their own personal swing around what it looks like for them to be really intentional. This is not a, a cookie cutter program where we say, hey, an intentional leader does this, 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 and this, and that's all you can do. There's there's no way you can possibly dissect that. There's too many permutations of the, the neurological pathways of your personal brain. What we are saying is just be conscious of the people around you and yep. how your actions, like what they see you do may be affecting you. And if, and I'm just going to position this idea, Galen, with people, listen, if you're constantly frustrated with turnover and you're still there and you're in the leadership role, you probably need to take a good hard look in the mirror intentionally and see, okay, how am I possibly contributing to this? I I couldn't agree more. I mean, there there's a point if you're having turnover where you could be frustrated by it, you could maybe say I'm not vetting people properly through the hiring process or what you, you can rationalize that in a lot of ways. We all want to avoid stepping in front of the mirror and I've had to do it throughout my career. And, and if, if you don't step in, in front of the mirror, then you never become a more effective leader. You know, you just, there's always some other reason someone left. It, it wasn't in alignment with the culture, whatever it is. At the end of the day, you got to take a good hard look at yourself, like you said. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, what, what's been one of those big hurdles that you've had to overcome in your career, Galen? Man, I will tell you, uh, and I'm never going to overcome it completely. It's patience. And I know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm just a person that when I see where I want to go, I, I just want to be there. <laughs> and, and so the process can 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 wear on me a bit. But I, I think where I've had to develop the most patience and I have to constantly work at it is to make sure that I'm 
kind of seeing that other person's perspective. Sometimes someone's bringing a problem to me and I can just almost feel the frustration. And then I kind of have to almost have that internal conversation with myself. Why am I frustrated? And I have to stop and think about, okay, that they're looking at it, looking at it from this way. And, you know, a, a classic example in my opinion is, um, you know, you get, you get companies, every employee is rewarded in different ways. But if you, ha- if you have a company where you reward a sales guy for uh, volume, but your, your goal is profitability, he doesn't care about that. And, you know, maybe someone brings you a problem that, that because there's a hurdle for him to reach some bonus, but at that hurdle, that hurdle, in order for you to remove it, impacts profitability, you're going to clash and you have to figure out how to work through that. And just really, rather than being irritated, just taking a deep breath and having that patience to really talk it through and, and find the solution. Yeah. I think so many people get caught up in a story when that happens, a story about that other person. And I start to look at um, everything I see about how this guy or gal shows up that is not in alignment or not aligned with how I would like to see them because it doesn't line up with my story, right? Yeah. And the more I look at it, the more I see of it. Yeah, exactly. And the more I I see it, the more I look at it. Yes, both both ways, but it, it is hard sometimes to to for me to to take the time and the patience to kind of get get that overall picture, you know. I and, and sometimes we just get too we're busy and we don't want to invest the time and we sort of just give an instruction that really isn't helpful in the long term. And I uh, again, just things that you read or hear that that stick with you and and. Uh, one, one thing that I always try to remember is uh, if you've um, if you've told someone something three times and they don't get it, someone is stupid and it's not them. <laughs> and I just I you know that always sticks with me. If I tell someone something and they repeat that behavior, I try to stop before it gets to to three and go. I'm not communicate. I'm not taking the time or investing the time to communicate so that we can move past this, you know? There's a, there's a well-intended pause that comes when we start to feel that feeling of frustration mm-hmm. between direction given and inappropriate response or lack of response or the wrong response or whatever. Right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, your point earlier, most of the time the fingers are pointing back at you. <laughs> it's not, you know, when there's an issue, it's just go look in the mirror and, and see see what's going on. I had a, uh, had a train the trainer here about 20 years ago that I went to when I was first learning uh, good, high quality Socratic facilitation, which is what we use in our business today. The, the teacher's name was Mark, also Mark Reardon. And the thing that he taught me or taught us uh, at that time is when we, when we're asking a question of the audience or giving a direction, if, if they're not giving you the answer or taking the action that you want them to see, then you probably ask the wrong question or you asked it correctly. So we have to assume that that always falls back on us. 
Yep, exactly. Uh, you know, and that and that's hard. Again, yeah, you have to be willing to uh, really have a good self awareness and and not be afraid to take a critical look at yourself at times. One of the reasons that we're producing so many episodes is get to give people a chance to think about this a lot. My hope is that people are getting enough out of it that they want to listen to the next one and the next one. Yeah. What we know is over time, if we just hear this conversation enough, that it starts to become more embodied and more ingrained. And they say this just on the backside of our current conversation around saying it well enough or instructing it well enough. Yeah. This, this intentional leadership culture, I believe, to bring it back to something you said a little bit ago, is something that has to be caught. I don't know how well it can be yeah. taught. I think we can frame this up. We can put it in a training program. We can put it in a book and, and do a lot of things and put it in front of people. But to become truly intentional is incredibly hard. To really be intentional, it takes a lot of time, a lot of focus. And it's really challenging for people to adopt as a behavior. It is. And, and you know, to our point earlier about uh, that that long-term vision, I mean, it, it's so much faster to tell someone or teach them you know, have them, have them watch an instructional video. Oh, they've learned it. I expect them to live it. It takes a lot of patience, which I've already admitted is a shortcoming, but it takes a, a lot of patience and a lot of lo long-term vision to model it. That, that someone's not going to wake up and see you do something over the course of a day. And, oh, okay, I get it. They got to see you do that over the long haul. I'm not sure. I think something happened to my sound there, Mark. Uh, we're, we're, we're okay. We'll cut that part out. We'll okay. go back. Uh, so one of the reasons I spent a little bit more time with you on that particular question today and just kind of picking that apart is because like that, that patience is yeah. that's not a Galen issue. That's a Mark issue. <laughs> and every other leader that I've ever worked with, right. Yeah. Is how do we be patient enough to, to see the result through, right. So. I know. I, I hope people don't hear myself talking to myself all the time to, to try and remind myself to do just that. I think it's it's a great uh, uh, it's great evidence of your self awareness, and <laughs> I would love to see some more people develop a little more self awareness <laughs> around patience because they might just be lost. Yeah in that in a season of life where it just feels like we're never going to get there and I'm starting to grow impatient because that's what happens it's the discomfort between the moment you set out on the journey and the moment that you finally get there and we don't know how long it's going to be absolutely so, uh, let's let's just talk what's been a big win for you over the course of your career Galen I think a big win for me I, I think what is the most satisfying for me are uh, people that I've worked with or supervised over time that I can tell have bought into where we need to go and how we need to conduct our business. I, I can go to a meeting where someone I've worked with is presenting and I can just sit there and go, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's that ability not to replicate yourself, but to be able to replicate that desire to achieve the same thing. I like that. That is a great answer. Very good. All right. So what uh, 
what book should people be reading, Galen? What's coming up for you that's that you're reading or listening to right now? I, I have a book that uh, I, I just refer to frequently. It, it, and I don't know if everyone takes the same thing from it that I did. I do feel like it should be required reading for leaders. It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yeah. And it basically lays out a lot of what what we've discussed here. And it, it really is, it comes down to what is your motivation in life? Is it short term? Is it the acquisition of things? Is it the acquisition of power? Or is there some greater meaning that you're working toward? And then the other one that I think is a pretty good compliment to that that uh, has stuck with me as Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, because it really, once you read that, you understand you don't wake up and be good at something. You're going to have to invest the time and the effort to do that. That Both are perfect recommendations. I've read them both. And interestingly enough, I just pulled Man's Search for Meaning back off the shelf last night to go back through again. It was, yeah. it sits on a bookshelf near our pool table and I was looking at it. And I said, I think I need to go back through that. So I literally just pulled it off last night. I do the same thing. Uh, I have it in paperback, but I travel quite a bit. So now I have, you know, uh, on iBooks and I carry an iPad and almost every time I complete a book before I download another book, I kind of just scroll through that library and go, okay, what do I want to review? And that one always pops up. And of course I've got my highlights in there, but you go and you read a highlight you almost read 10 pages on either side of that highlight, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Well, what, uh, what do you do to keep your energy up? How do you, how, what, what do you do to stay strong and stay focused and keep producing all day? Well, I think, I think it gets back to uh, a little bit of what we've talked about already is those, those things uh, that are long-term. So I, to a fault probably, but I, I like to start my day uh, by going to the gym. I just, I find that to be a good stress release. And, you know, I see people go to the gym and put their earbuds in and, you know, listen to music the, the whole time. I'm almost oblivious to others. And when I'm there, I, I don't listen to music. It's where I process everything I need to do for that day. I kind of vet it in my mind and know what intentional steps I need to get done that day towards the larger picture. And so uh, the time really flies for me, you know, when I'm there. But I feel that's almost the way that I have to start my day. You bet. What's your favorite workout? You know, I, I am not married to a single one. Generally speaking, I have days where I just do cardio. There's other days where I do cardio weights. And then there's other days that you just try to do some strength tra training that, you know, to prevent to prevent you from having issues as you grow older. Mm -hmm. I was just listening over the weekend while on a little road trip with my 80-year-old mother. And it was all about how important the muscular, musculoskeletal, mm -hmm. which we never measure. We measure body fat, we measure heart rate, we measure weight, but we don't measure the musculoskeletal, the muscle mass. Like how much muscle do you have on your body and how important that is for vitality yeah. as we go into our later years, which is important if you're anywhere post 40. So, And I am. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not, you get to start. So that you don't have to work so hard when you get to be 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, and the whole patience part kind of weighs into my workouts too, because my favorite 
are just the high intensity intervals, you know, and that, isn't that perfect for someone that probably doesn't have the patience to go run a marathon, but it, it works. There you go. There should be a, a marathon just for hit workouts. I like it. That's right. You bet. Well, what's something that uh, for you, Galen, a couple of questions to bring in here for a living or a landing. What, um, what do you want to improve on this year? Man, what I have to improve on is, um, I, I think the thing I'm always trying to improve on is that, uh, that having a better self-awareness. I know you always can go get 360 feedback from colleagues and things like that. I, I'm not 100% sure 360 feedback, like, like someone's going to hold back on you. I think it's important for you to be able to recognize your own shortcomings and your own flaws and then, and then to work on them. And so I'm constantly trying, I will never win this battle, but I'm always constantly, uh, you know, looking to see what, what are the areas that I'm weak and I'm weak in organization. And I, I will tell you at my age, I'm not, I'm not going to completely ever overcome that, but you still have to figure out ways to work work around it. I'm I'm more. Hey, here's my big idea. I, I'd love to have people that like the detail go to to go accomplish it. But I've also realized that I've got I've got to be better about some of those things. So it's just a self awareness. Where are the areas that I need to improve to continue really a journey to always be an effective leader. I really appreciate that you brought up self-awareness. What a, what a great thing to want to, to improve on organization, man, we all need to improve on organization. We get yeah. it, but to be aware enough that this is a, a thing. And if I don't stay on top of this thing, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. You know? It's scary. You don't like to wake up and face it every day, but if you want to get better, then you should. It, it, so one of the things that we teach about in, in the, in this curriculum now is around intentional protocols. And I know like there, there are certain protocols that when I put these things in place, it allows me to stay organized, to stay on top of tasks, yeah. to stay. And, and, and when I'm not disciplined enough to bring back the yeah. first part of our conversation to work those protocols on a day-to-day -day basis, then I end up with a huge mess. And I've yeah. done that. I've painted myself into a corner more times than I can probably even count, certainly more than I would care to admit. And, and I hate it. And I never want to do it again. I probably will. But that's where those, pro, you know, the protocols, what are the things that just kind yep. of keep disciplined and keep you moving forward with that organization in this case or whatever, whatever the behavior is, is really, these, these things are really important. Yeah. I mean, as a leader, you're always going to get stuff's still going to get thrown on your plate. It's how do you keep stuff from falling off the edges of that plate? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have an assistant and, you know, we have a small team uh, here at Thrive and, I don't put things on my calendar. If you and I were having a text message conversation <laughs> or an email conversation, as silly mm -hmm. as it sounds, I'm fortunate enough to have an assistant. And I know yeah. not everybody has one of those. Uh, and depending on your situation, they're actually quite affordable. Uh, and you can find someone outsourced. I've never met my, yeah. she's been working for me for four years. We've never met in person. Oh, wow. I know her well. I know her kids uh, so, yeah. you know, through the Zoom interactions and things like this. Uh, my wife was able to go meet her last year when she was in her part of the country. We've never met in person. And oh, never, she's also yeah. never been full time. She's very efficient at what she does. She works across myself, my wife, and, and a couple of other coaches in, our, in, in the space that we also know. And so everybody kind of helps to share the cost. 
So consider it a fractional assistant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fractional ownership of a, you know, how they do yeah. fractional ownership of jets and things like that. If you can, and when you find people that are good, I mean, they just stay busy because people mm -hmm. recognize uh, that value and they just want to keep tapping into it more and more. So then the point of my story is very affordable, actually, for mm -hmm. more affordable than you would imagine to be able to find. Yeah. And there are a lot of these people out there that want to do this gig work and things like that. Yeah. It takes a little bit of training and we have to create protocols and systems uh, because you may not understand the full capacity of the business, but this is as simple as it gets. If it's a text message conversation or an email conversation, once I get to the point where we agree on a time to meet, I screenshot it and I text it to her. Now I know it would, Galen, what does it take me? Maybe 90 seconds to go in and create a calendar invite. Right. Send over and put in the Zoom info or the Teams meeting info or whatever. If you use Outlook, it just automatically puts Teams in for you. Uh, but I, this, that's 90 seconds that I give myself to yeah. go focus on something else and let her manage that piece of the organization. Absolutely. You do what you're you're good and efficient at and, and let someone else do what they're good. That that's maximum productivity right there. Absolutely. All right. Last question. Talk to me about vulnerability. How how important is this vulnerability to be able to create intentional workplaces in your experience? I, I, I think you'll never get a true buy-in of people that work for you if you try to always be this stoic uh i'm never wavered type leader that that's just not reality and i i think i think employees respond if they if they see that you are vulnerable in areas um you know i i try to admit shortcomings uh here and there the, the other thing i think it does it, it lets them know it's a, it's a level of transparency and i i think that anyone that is looking to you for leadership wants to know they can trust what you're saying and what you're doing. And so transparency is a part of that. And I think vulnerability is a part of that transparency. I think that's incredibly well said. Incredibly well said. That's, a, that's an important piece. So Galen, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for your time today. You bet. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. Likewise, I've enjoyed it. I've learned and I hope that you guys have learned from this as well. So thanks for being on the pod. All right, uh, you guys make sure that you are checking out the work uh, on the backside. You can uh, hear my debrief from this episode in our follow up episode, which will pop up right behind this. Take care. We'll see you next time. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there was something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.